Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. When do we take control of our lives and our destiny? We're a small country, but we punch way above our weight. Like, I'm filming now at this stage, to be honest with you. I thought it was one of the hardest things to do. It was horrendous. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Okay, another 200 euro voucher to give away later this morning with our friends at Foot Solutions on the Grand Parade. You know the gist of it at this stage, three sets of footsteps in the snow. You need to count up how many footsteps. For the last couple of days, I've been hiding the last set of them. Today, I'm going to hide the middle set. So I'll tell you the first set, I'll tell you the last set, and today I'm going to hide the middle set. You keep you'll have to keep listening for them. All right, have fun with that between now and midday but we want to start uh, in the courts with a case before the courts now for for quite a number of weeks uh, came to a conclusion yesterday at Cork Circuit Criminal Court The sentence it was a better outcome than what I expected Uh, I honestly thought he would get a lesser sentence since he had no previous convictions so I'm actually very happy with the result in my head I just think how could people have thoughts like that to just take something from someone's life that they'll never be able to get back is a horrible horrible thing to do and it's a horrible experience to go through so for that man I have no sympathy for him I have nothing there for him like it's just hatred really not even hatred it's just very I'm very disgusted and what people like that do. It's just more relief that I was believed than anything. Like he could have gotten one year, two years sentence and I wouldn't have cared. It's just the fact that people believed me. That's all I cared about. That's Rachel McElroy speaking outside Cork Circuit Criminal Court yesterday after a man called Bagrat Kudzievi. He's 28 and had an address in Albert Road. Uh, he was convicted in October uh, of two counts of sexual assault and sentenced yesterday. We'll hear in a lot more detail from uh, Rachel a little later because she's been speaking to me uh, for the opinion line. But first, I want to go to Maureen Tuig, who's been covering that case for 96FM News. Give us the background, Maureen, if you can, please. Good morning. 
Good morning to you, PJ. Yeah, this was Rachel McElroy. You know, she was just 18 and she was on a night out with her friends when this happened. And as Miss Justice Tara Byrne said, it's every young woman's worst nightmare what happened here. So it was the night of October 19th, 2019. So just over uh, two years ago that this happened. She was out with her friends um, in an innocent night out. You know, that she, Major McElroy, the justice, Miss Justice Tara Byrne said she'd consumed what was in truth a relative small amount of alcohol but for whatever reason it had a very significant effect on her so CCTV from the nightclub in Cork City Centre uh, showed uh, Miss McElroy in a very emotional state and that herself and her friends they went into the smoking area of the club and she sat down beside uh, Bagrash Kutsiavi in a matter of minutes um, she was seen leaving the nightclub with Mr Kutsiavi and they were out on the street and they were engaged in what Miss Justice Burns described as the most intimate of acts now what happened here is that passers-by started to film Miss mm. um, McElroy and Bagrash Kutsiavi and it was shared on social media and I'm sure you, you've spoken as you say to, to Rachel McElroy and she spoke to us outside court yesterday about how disgusting that was and how disrespectful it was yeah. that all day, you know, that they didn't step in, they didn't try and pull them apart and they shared it widely on social media. So then what happened on, on the night of October 19th, um, Bagger Kutsiavi carried uh, Rachel McElroy across a bridge to a more secluded location in Cork City. Now, bouncers or security staff from the nightclub were concerned about her level of intoxication. They followed them and uh, they found uh, Bagger Kutsiavi could see if he, uh, lying on, on top of Rachel McElroy and they pulled him away and, and he was arrested then. Now he was initially certified unfit for interview because due to his intoxication mm-hmm. but what Miss Justice Burns said yesterday at the sentencing hearing is that he was quite capable uh, of carrying Miss McElroy without a stumble or a fall. Now he denied the charges. He told Gardy that any sexual activity was consensual but Rachel McElroy said she'd no recall of the events um, and the day after she only a vague memory yeah. of being in a guard station having to give oral swabs she said that her mother told her what happened to her and she was just devastated she was crying for hours she said this was in her victim impact statement and she said that the attacks left her feeling empty disgusted and lacking in, in confidence yeah we'll, we'll hear all that from rachel because yeah. she she spoke to me about it her reaction to the sentence uh, and she used the word hate out outside the court, but her reaction to the sentence first. She was very satisfied with the sentence. How did the judge break it down? It was eight years in total, but she suspended the last year. Yeah, so she, she, so I suppose, you know, there was a mitigating factor, you know, that he, he's a lack of convictions uh, for this level of offending. But the aggravating factors, you know, they're quite obvious, the serious nature of the offence, his taking advantage of her intoxicated state and the degrading nature of the assault. So, yeah, as you say, she suspended the final year of the seven year prison term on condition that he leave the state and return to Georgia because we heard, um, that he was here. Detective Guard Donald Daly had told the court in a previous sitting that uh, he's a Georgian national, but he came here to Ireland in 2018 and he lived under a false Polish identity, which he used to get a social security number. And these false documents, Peter, they were found by Gardaí investigating mm-hmm. the sexual assault. And he was convicted of those fraud offences last June. So, yeah, so suspending the final year of the seven-year term on condition that he leave the state return to Georgia after his release from prison. And this sentence is backdated to the night of the attack because he's been in court 
custody since that night back in, in 2019. Yes. Yesterday at the sentencing hearing, because this case was, was heard in Dublin at the Central Criminal Court, so uh, the, Ms Justice Burns was at the Central Criminal Court in Dublin. We were at the, the court in, in Cork via video link watching it, as was was Miss McElroy and her mom. And then uh, Bagra Kutsiavi was on another link from uh, Cork Prison. Now, what he said yesterday was that um, he, he had a translator there to translate all that was going on. And, and his one of his final comments was that if he's kept in here for seven years, he's going to commit suicide. Yeah. The judge said that he must agree to immediately leave Ireland on release from prison. Leave. Now, as the state, as the sentence is backdated, it means he's already served two years and yes. therefore he will have seven to serve, which gives him another prob- an, another another three. He gets two. I would imagine and estimate he'll be eligible for parole in, in less than three years. So he, he will have to leave then. Yes, yeah, he'll, he'll have to leave and go back to, to Georgia. Okay. All right, listen, Maureen, thank you for that. That's Maureen Tuig, Cork's 96FM news reporter on the case of Bagrat Kudzievi, jailed yesterday for eight years with one suspended, so that's seven. Two already served, she's got another five to serve, probably eligible for parole, the way things work in around two. Uh, jailed for uh, sexual assault on Rachel McElroy. And uh, Rachel McElroy approached the opinion line wanting to tell her story. And she's been doing that. And you can hear it next. 1850 715 996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96 FM. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. With your local mace, helping to make this Christmas extra special. Feels good. We've given away thousands of euros on the Cork's 96 FM 10K toy giveaway. You just won a 500 euro toy shopping spree! Oh, Lolly, thank you so much. Oh, my God, it sounds like a madhouse there in the background. <laughs> that is what we like to hear. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yay! Thank you so much, my little girl's jumping around. She's delighted. So, as Ross says in the morning, boom, shakalaka. Yes! <laughs> Absolutely awesome. Thank you so much. Just given away 10k with Douglas Village Shopping Centre for toys, food, fashion, and lifestyle. 50 years at the heart of the village. Take it on a shake it on a shopping screen. Stay listening for the next big way to win on Cork's 96 FM. Rachel, it's a very courageous decision to waive your anonymity in a case like this. So, why decide to waive it? Why go public? See, I'd like to, the reason why I put my name out there is so I could actually see if I could help any girls or even fellas out there to talk about themselves if it has happened to them. Mm -hmm. Because I know a lot of people, they'd be scared to tell their friends, family, they're scared to even go to the girls about it in case they're not believed, you know. So... I decided to put my name out there if it helped at least one person out there to come forward. Your victim impact statement was very strong. 
I'll get to that in a while. But what do you remember of the incident now? See, what happened was, it was my first night out from starting college. So me and my friends, see, like I live in Tallow and I was going out in Cork with my friends. I got my mother to drop me to my to get the bus. So I got the bus up to Cork and then I met my friends up at my friend's house. Mm-hmm. So we had a couple of drinks there and then we got the bus and we headed back into town. Um, I'm not sure what time around it was, but once we got in, me and my friend, we went up to the bar, we ordered a drink and then we went to the bathroom and we came back. I started dancing with our other friends on the dance floor. And then I remember walking up around to the bar to order a drink, but I don't actually remember ordering a drink or having another drink in my hand that night. Do you think you were spiked? Yes, 100%. So what happened next or what do you remember? What I can remember after that was being in the guard station, getting my mouth swabbed, crying, thinking I was in trouble because I didn't have a, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know who I was, didn't know, like I thought one of the guards was my mother. Like it, I was just very confused and not knowing where I was or what was going on. The CCTV picked you up struggling clearly struggling yeah see there's CCTV now from the moment I got on the bus in Formoy till the guards came and found the defendant on top of me he did it twice yes at one point he picked you up and he carried you yeah see um, whenever we were walking I think it was like roughly seven minutes for him to actually lure me out. So we were out in the smoking area and I sat down, I was having a cigarette. I Then we started talking and then I was looking for my friends. Uh, they were all like kind of spread out in the dance floor, but he led me outside to say... Oh, as if my friends were outside. You remember meeting him, I take it? No. No. I have no memory of him whatsoever. The only memory I have of seeing him now is meeting him in the courtroom. Right. So, to discover that this has happened to you, how does that make you feel? Well, whenever the night had happened and the following morning... Whenever my mother came up and she collected me with my brother, they brought me home. They were telling me that, like, they couldn't even wake me up from the car to get me out of the car. Um, I was not responsive or anything. My other brother then had to carry me out of the car and lift me into bed. And then the following morning... My mother woke me up between six and seven o'clock in the morning and I seen that she was lying in the bed beside me, but she was trying to wake me up for a few hours, but there was no response from me. But when she finally woke me up, 
she was just asking me a couple of questions like who who I or who I was, who she was, where I was, where I was the night before, what happened, and so on. But I had I woke up very confused. I had no idea who I was or who my mother was. I didn't know I was at home. But then I was there for a few moments looking around my room and I started like remembering then who I was and where I was and who my mother was. And my mother was asking me more questions then whenever I came around, like, who was I with last night? I told her. She asked me, where did I go out? I told her I went out in Cork. Uh, she asked me where I was supposed to stay. I was supposed to stay in my friend's house. Um, then she asked me to look at my clothes. So I looked at my clothes and I seen that I was in complete different clothes. So it was clothes that the guards had given me. They took my clothes from that night for evidence. And I realized then that I wasn't wearing a bra. And I was asking why I wasn't. And it took my mother a few minutes to actually get the words out what happened. And when she told me then, I was just staring at the wall in front of me for a few minutes and I just started crying for hours. I just felt so empty and lost and thinking like, how how could someone do that? Yeah. Must have broke your mom's heart to have to tell you this. My mother was, yeah, she was very heartbroken and to this day she's still very heartbroken to think that someone could do that to her daughter. The Garza investigation started straight away and thankfully, because we know that so many people don't get that far, you did get as far as the court. And I know that you want to thank the people who helped you on that journey. Yes, I could not thank the Anglesey Street Guard Station enough because the work that they put in in the past two years to get me the justice I needed and wanted and the amount of hard work they've done it was just phenomenal Your victim impact statement like I said was was very strong like, like how are you now Rachel two years on and obviously it's, it's raw again because of the trial but, but besides that how are you? I'm doing a lot better than what I was doing. Like I was, as I said, I was in my first year of college and I had to drop out over the incident. I couldn't face being around Cork, being around people. I was scared to go out my front door for a few days. I, for the, I don't really know how much it impacted me last year until this year I realised because like last year I was even like drinking to try and numb out the pain mm-hmm. of what happened but in the past year now I'm becoming a lot stronger I'm becoming a better version of myself mm-hmm. Have you had counselling or help along the way? I've had counselling, I've been put on medication for depression, I've, um, I'm currently seeing a psychiatrist now, 
it's tough like it is very tough but with the amount of support I have around me I I couldn't be any luckier you know like I never thought I'd see the light of day again because I thought I was just gonna throw my life away by doing ridiculous stuff I thought I was gonna like stick to drinking every day to numb the pain but no, I had amazing friends and family and of course the detectives and everything, they were constantly ringing and checking up on me, making sure I was all right. The friends that were with you on the night, they must have been gutted that this happened to you. They were, they were very upset and very angry because like that night, my friends, they were looking everywhere for me and they couldn't find me anywhere. They were trying to ring me and everything and no, there was just no answer. But then whenever the guards came and brought us to the station, they rang my friends and told them that I was arrested for a drunken disorder because they couldn't tell them over the phone what happened. Mm-hmm. So then they knew that I was safe of what they knew. And then the following morning, um, the the guardy had taken my phone for evidence mm-hmm. and to retract all my steps and everything. So I rang my friend off my mother's phone and we were on FaceTime and we were chatting and they were just asking, they were like, oh, what happened to you last night? Why did you get arrested? Um, what happened and all this? And I just started crying and they were like, what's wrong? And then they heard that someone was sexually assaulted and they were like, was that you? And I couldn't even get the words out to say, yeah. I just kept crying and crying. And then they knew that it was me that had happened to. It's awful. Like one of the girls had to run upstairs and get sick in the bathroom and everything. Oh, God. The the defence barrister, Mr. Creed, brought up the issue of drink and brought up the issue of consent in the course of the trial. How did that make you feel? See, yes, we were we were out drinking. For sure, we're all entitled to go out and have a few drinks. Yes, we're entitled to have a good night. And yeah, he was saying that I was like very intoxicated, or I was like very drunk. Um, but I didn't care what he was saying because I knew myself. What happened? I seen the CCTV with my own eyes. So I didn't really put much of his words into like any consideration. That must have been very hard to watch yourself on CCTV at that. It was very hard. Some some of it now I wouldn't have been able to watch it. I would have to leave the courtroom because it was just a bit much. But there was some of the CCTV where I had to be on the stand and I had to identify myself. Like, I was on the stand whenever it was shown me having a fall inside the 
bar. Yeah. I was talking to my friends. I was upset about an incident that happened a couple of weeks beforehand. And I just seen myself that I was fa- I was falling to the floor. My friend helped me back up. But then, like, I, I knew that I wasn't stable on my feet. And how how I was able to be in that condition, but only remembering having three drinks altogether is is still very like confusing for me because I still just don't understand how it would have happened. Look, Rachel, we we're talking every week on the opinion line about spiking, and like you say, it's it's as clear as the nose on your face. Somebody spiked you that night. Yeah. I'm 100% certain that I was spiked. Again, the, the very brave decision to come forward uh, it's, and, and uh, to, to allow, allow your name be released, it is because we know, you know, I know, there are others sitting, listening to us right now who have been through, or a friend or a loved one has been through, something like what you've been through. What's your message to them? My message to them is my name is out there. It's Rachel McElroy. You can look me up on Facebook. You can contact me. I can come to you and have a chat, tell you my experience, tell you what it was like. And if it could help you come forward, I'm happy to be there to help you. Do you know, like, it's not, it's not something nice you'd want to go through, but it's better to get people like them off the streets and it helps from getting another girl hurt. Does any sentence make up for what this man did to you? No. He could get life in jail and it still, it will still never take back what he took from me. So I don't think like jail would be long enough for people like them. Has he made any attempt to apologise? Not that I've heard so far anyways, no. Would you accept it if he did or would it be a waste of time? It would be a waste of time because I, I most certainly wouldn't accept his apology. Throughout his whole statement that he gave to Detective David Noonan, he completely lied through everything. He came, he said that my pants and his pants weren't pulled down. He said that he did not physically lift me up and carry me over the bridge. He said that it was consensual. He said that I was asking for it and that I knew what I was doing, that I wasn't falling all over the place. I had no alcohol. Uh, I wasn't drunk. You know, he he was just completely lying. And this this all came out in court, and and the CCTV proved that this was all false. The CCTV. Yes. Something else that came up, Rachel, was that people. One of the reasons they picked you up, and carried you away, was because people were filming the two of you. On yes, mobile. that was correct. How do you feel about that? I didn't find that out until the court case, until we were actually going to court. Because I think it was just the last minute 
response thing where they found it, where they seen people through the CCTV taking a, a Snapchat video. So whenever I found that out, I was very angry because instead of actually trying to help, they were there too busy taking a video of what was actually going on. And then they posted it all over their Snapchat, which I found very, very disgusting and invasion of privacy. Like they were more interested in posting it on social media than actually investigating what was going on. Uh, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, imagine if that was their daughter and someone was taking a video of them getting sexually assaulted and posting it all over social media. They would probably go to the parents' doors. I just found it very disrespectful and rude. And they, them girls, they had to come and they had to come to the court and give their statement as well because they done a statement and not even a sorry from either of them. There was two of them and not an apology or nothing from either one of them. The court process itself and and one of the reasons that uh, it's so brave of you to come forward is because we know from talking to people like uh, the great Mary Crilly in the Sexual Violence Centre one of the things that I think puts people off reporting incidents like this, Rachel, is that the court can be difficult. How did you find the court process? It was it was very tough. Now, um, whenever I took the stand, I had the cross-examination done on me. I had my barrister asking me a few questions. I had his barrister asking me a few questions. It was very intense. So it was like he he was making it out to be my fault. Do you know, I didn't like it, but it was his job to do that anyway, do you know. But, um, like, it can be very hard for people. Yeah. Like, after I came down off the stand from his barrister asking me questions, I had to leave the courtroom because he just made me cry because he was, like, he was just making me feel like it was my fault. Yeah. Which, like you said, in fair play to you, that is his job, but at the same time, it doesn't make it any easier. Yeah. Like, it's it's not the fact that his barrister doesn't believe me. It's just his job to help him. Yes. You are going to be challenged but that's their job. It's part of the process. And you have to, yes. be, you have to, are you, are you saying, Rachel, to people, you have to believe in the process? Like, do you believe in the process now that you are where you are? Yes. See, whenever they, whenever all the witnesses have given their statements and all the evidence has been given, the two barristers, they have their final argument for the jury so like my barrister's um, closing speech was I thought it was very good now Um, but uh, then Mr. Creed then his uh, closing speech it had a few words in that I didn't like but 
as I said, it's their job. Yeah. It's their job to get the accused off the hook. But luckily that the jury seen through everything, seen through his lies, seen it in the CCTV. Uh, they listened to me. They listened to my friends. There were witnesses there as well. They've listened to everything and they just helped me so much. You're very grateful to the jury, Rachel, I think. Uh, very grateful. Like, it was it was a 12 out of 12 jury vote. Unanimous. And it was just... I, I thought, coming towards the end, like, you will have doubts in your head. Yeah. Because I, I was very doubtful whenever the jury were sent off to make their decisions, I was saying to my mother, like, I was saying that he's going to get away with it, he's going to get away with it. I it just, like, you're always going to have that doubt in the back of your mind, no matter what. Well, you are a young woman of extraordinary courage, Rachel. Incredible courage. And, and you're you're talking to me today. Will, you know, if it does nothing else, if it, if it, if it encourages one other young person to come forward and report what happened to them, you'll have done an extraordinary job of work. And that that's what I'd like to do. Like this experience has shown me that there's more to life out there, no matter what obstacles life throws at you. Mm-hmm. Like what ha- what helped me through the weeks of being in court, going up and down. I just had Dermot Kennedy's song, Better Days on repeat. And I found that song to be very, very realistic in my scenario. Would you like me to play it for you? <laughs> yeah, I would actually would. Well, well, I'll do that for you, Rachel. And I wish you... Success in your future. I wish you a full recovery from what has happened to you. And I wish you happiness and success. Thank you very much, Peter. It means so much. Better days are coming if no one told you. Never actually listened to that song properly before. Uh, Dermot Kennedy, Better Days, playing it specially for Rachel. And uh, thank you, Rachel, for speaking with us on the opinion line. What a brave girl. Well done for speaking out. That poor girl sending her a virtual hug. Don't let that... We can't say that word. We can. Don't let that bastard ruin your life. Rise above him. It's important people know they should never change their clothes first. Just go straight to the guards. There will be evidence. I just want to say to Rachel, keep strong. Don't let them ruin your life. Pat says, horrific listening to that young girl. Poor girl, she's superb to do the interview. Her attacker should never see the light of day again. I hope he gets a tough time behind bars. This girl is one of the bravest you have on the air in a long time. Never mind the scum that did that to her, but the people who videoed it for their pleasure. What disgusting creatures. Great radio. Thank you. And D just says I'm bawling. There was a few misty eyes here as well. I might tell you, uh, listening to Dermot Kennedy, how, how much it meant to her. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. See MIG.ie. 
Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Hi, it's Elmery. Join me on Sunday morning when we take a look at what's happening in the arts in Cork and help you plan some great nights out at the theatre or see the latest films on release, catch a brilliant music gig or find the perfect book to get stuck into. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Make the perfect chip at home with their chipping potatoes. Once you taste them, you'll be back for more. Now in store. Cork's. 96 FM. Shocking figure just out from the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organization who say 34,000 assaults have taken place on nurses and doctors across the HSE since 2015. It's in seven years, 34,000 assaults. That breaks down if you average everything out to 100 a week. 100 doctors or nurses a week assaulted or threatened in the course of their work. Michelle Kingston is a nurse at CUH and the INMO rep for the ED nurses there and she joins me. Hi Michelle. Good morning PJ, how are you? Good, when you break it down into that it's a hundred of you and your colleagues a week either threatened or assaulted every week. Yeah, yeah. And you know it's, it's, I've been thinking about this and, you know, it, it happens so regularly that it becomes the norm, if that makes sense. You know, let it be verbal abuse. Now, physical abuse is one thing. Like, you know, the, you have the, the physical and verbal, you know, but it, it becomes the norm. You yeah. know, we're used to we're used to people, you know, talking to us like that and, you know, treating us like that. And not like I'm not condoning it, but that's, the, you know, when when it's happening all the time. Yeah, I remember you know? a former colleague of yours, retired now, Mick, Mick Deneen. Uh, I brought a case to Mick Deneen's attention while there was actually one of your conferences on. And it emerged there that actually there had been four around the country in the same night as I brought this to Mick's attention. And he said to me then, that's a few years ago now, it's just going to get worse. Mm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Have you been assaulted yourself, Michelle? Um, have I been assaulted? I have been spat at. I've been verbally, verbally, I, I've been um, threatened. Um, you know, and then you have, like, you have the likes then, and which is, you know, you've got patients who, with, with mental health issues who lash out. You know, like you've, you know, you've, uh, and you know, and you can't restrain them or anything like that. Like, but you might get a wallop or something like that. But yeah, like, yes, I, you know, verbally, um, verbally more so, you know, mm. um, and it, and there's the looks as well. You know, like it, um, people would look at you in a certain way. So a look, you know, like you can have a threatening look. Without mm. saying anything, who, you know, who would spit at you? I mean, for God's sake, like who does that? You'd be surprised, you know. Like you've got, if, like, and anybody, and that's the, that's the, you, you, you know, is is you be you'd be quite surprised actually, you know. And I, and you know, like in all fairness, I know, like sometimes I'll just say I'm in triage, and there's um a very long wait and there's overcrowding and the whole lot. I do feel sorry, obviously, for the patients who are waiting outside to come in. And they like and there's a like, you know, a twenty four hour wait, which there has been over the last few months, you know. But like but what we don't expect or want 
is, you know, to get attacked because of it, you know. Um, again, it could be ver- like verbally, mm-hmm. like if it's not the nurses, if it's not us, it's the clerical staff, you know. Um, but, you know, like it's, but anybody, that's not what, it, there's not, you know, how will I say, like it's not your, your 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 drunk person coming in on a Saturday night, like it could be your, you know. What I think you're saying to me, Michelle, reading between the lines, is don't have this picture in your mind of someone who would assault verbally or physically a nurse or a doctor. Don't have that picture in your mind because it applies across the board. Yeah, absolutely, wow. absolutely, and like even over the phone. You know, like you get, like I don't know, crikey, when I did, like the amount of times you know people like if um oh they could be giving out actually you know but well the good one is that you know my son he's um waiting there uh, since let's say four o'clock today you know ringing ringing the the nurse's station and her her son would be outside waiting to be seen her son of thirty you know. Not a, not a child, but an adult. You know, they're the kind of phone calls we get. You know, uh, you know, parents ringing about their adult children who are waiting outside. You know, and get abuse that way. So therefore, then you're not inclined to want to answer phones because you don't like. You know, but because of COVID, we you know, it's not that we had to. Of course, you pick it up like because of you know relatives you know inquiring about their loved ones. Mm. But you know, you do you did like when the public got back like you know after COVID, and I think after COVID, after the third surge and whatever, and the public were coming back in again, that's when, you know, like, that's when it all started up again. Like, mm-hmm. it's not that it went away, it didn't go away because of COVID, you know. Um, it's like, I mean, like the figures for, uh, what was it, 20, the 2018, there was 948 nurses assaulted. Oh. Um and in in twenty twenty seven hundred and twenty six, that's wow. nurses now. That's excluding, you know, clerical or HCAs, anything of like that, you know. Has it gotten so worse during the pandemic? Yeah, I think so, and it's it has because there is a different expectation now as well. Like yeah. the public, like there is there is an expectation from the public that you know I'm like I pay my taxes, I'm entitled to this. Oh, they don't know, do that, do they? Still, you know, but oh, there's a difference God, between being yeah. assertive, which everyone needs to be able to assert what they need, mm. and being aggressive. Mm. It's a fine line, and some people don't know where that line is. Absolutely, as I'm talking about this yesterday, like you know, there's a, the, the the amount of passive aggressive people who who speak to us and they think they're being assertive they're not you know and like it's it's you know and i have and you know and like at at, at all times all um, most nurses and like i can't say all nurses um you know we have to we have to be you know keep a calm head you know and take the abuse per se really you know what i mean Mm. you can't argue back you know, now, I guess security, like you, you know, and like, but they've got like since after COVID now as well, especially because like our waiting times have, have got worse um, for like because we because of COVID plus 
the public um, being allowed in, in well, when I say allowed in, like there's there's no lockdown. Yeah. Um. So like that that made such a difference, a huge difference. Michelle, you know, briefly before I let you go, whose job is yeah. it to sort this out for you guys? I think the public has a, a sense of as a responsibility to be kind and decent here. But whose job is it to Absolutely. fix this for you? Well, it's it's I suppose it's like our security um in COH, like they're brilliant. They are, you know, and like they're doing the best they can do. And like whose job is it? Like it's up to like it's up may the public really just have to understand there's an understanding, you know, and like it's up to everybody is the you know, to um sort this out. You know, but like, 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 maybe it's a case of tougher measures, and you know, bringing in more security, and you know, and getting people off the premises, yeah. you know, and being more strict that way, you know. Yeah. But I think it's it's up to everybody just to be mindful, you know, okay. and like the word kind, as I I always try to, yeah. you know, being kind to people. Where's all this? Know? Where where's all this kindness we're we're talking about, Michelle? I'm out of time, but thank you for being with us on the opinion line, Michelle Kingston, nurse at the CUH and the INMO rep for the ED nurses there, and. Michelle, thank you to you and your colleagues for all your service during 2021. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Such a busy first hour on the Opinion Line this morning. I forgot to start you off with your first set of footprints in the snow. 200 euro voucher every day this week with Foot Solutions on the Grand Parade in Cork. Give the gift of happiness to your loved ones this Christmas with a Foot Solutions gift card. Free your feet and the rest will follow. So here's what we're doing. And this is the third or fourth morning we're doing it now. Fourth morning we're doing it. So you kind of know the drill. What we're doing is we're giving you sets of footprints to listen to footprints in the snow we're going to count the footprints add up the total and then let us know at the end of the program how many footprints in total you heard now the last couple of mornings I've been sneaking in the third set of footprints today I'll sneak in the second set so I'll give you the first and the third and then sneak in the second set of footprints so you have to keep listening for them you see I'm, 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 I'm a bit mean like that Here's your first set of footsteps in the snow for Foot Solutions. Here they are. All right, that's your first set. No, I'm not repeating them. I'll sneak in a second set and then give you a third set of footprints. So we'll come back to that one during the morning. Couple of things to clear because we were very busy in the first hour. There are walk-in booster jabs available today at City Hall between 11 and 3, tomorrow, Friday, 2 till 6, Saturday and Sunday, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Somebody was emailing yesterday to know why it is that 
these clinics aren't running longer hours or running later into the evening and was wondering why I wasn't drawing attention to it and saying, ah, yeah, he's had his own run now, he's happy. Don't be so silly. Um, I think they should be running into the evening, into the night time. I'd run them round the clock if it was up to me, but it's not up to me. But they are on today, 11 to 3, Friday, 2 till 6, Saturday and Sunday, 9 till 3. All you have to do is bring your previous vaccination card or your COVID search, because that has the details uh, of when you were last jabbed. If you've had COVID in between, if you were unlucky enough to get it, you have to wait a few months before you can get your booster. But plenty of, of them on over the next wee while. 1850 We've also had, I'll let you hear it in a minute, a long email from a teacher Yesterday, the whole place was up in arms about children having to wear masks in the class. In fact, the parents were up in arms. Most of the te- most of the children just got on with it to, to give them their due. They just got on with it and accepted it. And you have to wonder, actually, sometimes who are the adults here? Because some of the some of the kids were more adult than the adults around them. But besides that, we got a, a an email from a teacher and I'll let you hear that because we've recorded it in a little while. 1850 Now, there's a lovely story going around in the last while of a midwife from Afghanistan and her husband and three young children who are coming to Cork uh, either this week, they may already be here. They've escaped the Taliban um, because the midwife is a human rights activist and or a woman, women's rights activist in particular. She's called Nuria. She's spent the last few months in hiding in Kabul after the Taliban came to her house and threatened to return and come back and kill her and her husband and their and their boys. Um, and a man in Cork offered them a chance to stay in his house. It's a remarkable story. Mary Pappen is a friend of the family. Mary, good morning. Good morning. Tell me about Nuria and her family. Yeah, of course. Um, um, firstly, I'd just like to say, obviously, that this is Noria's story. It's her family's story, but there's still, um, you know, plenty that I can share, maybe on a high level. And maybe we look forward to Noria giving us more, more her side of the story or her accounts of the story another time. But, um, yeah, I mean, Noria, um, she worked as a senior regional midwife um, in Afghanistan, and that involved her traveling around Afghanistan, um, including uh, into areas that were controlled by the Taliban. So um, she's she's an impressive woman. Essentially, she was choosing to go through very dangerous areas on a day-to-day, through war zones, um, essentially, um, to provide um, help to the people that needed the help. So she in particular, was providing reproductive health care education and training to women and, you know, working um, specialised in maternity care and family planning. And and she worked with various organisations, organisations that we would have heard of, um, for example, the Red Cross, USAID, um, and John Hopkins. Sorry, go ahead. No, you're okay. And... um, yeah, um, I, it's worth noting too that since the pandemic hit, hit she was involved in um, the COVID response and she was recently trained in the use of medical ventilators. But um, I guess, yeah, it was her work um, advocating for women's rights and the um, the work that she did that made her a target of the Taliban. And 
you know, put her family in danger. Now, now talk to me about the, the man who has offered to share his home with her and her family because it's an incredible gesture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I'd happily talk about Colin Brosnan. He's the, the loveliest man. Um, so just to give you a bit of background as part of um, the program, the refugee program, um, you're required to kind of show that the, the family will have a place to stay for the, the first year. So, you know, we're looking to the community for someone to essentially volunteer their, their house for a year to, to, to mm. host the family. And um, Colm is um, a, a friend of my partner's mum, a good friend of, and he volunteered. So Colm um, is 72 years old and um, he's widowed for the last six years. And um, he um, volunteered. Um, he, he, he's the nicest man. I, I'm, I, I've been talking to him regularly and he talks really fondly of his um, late wife, Geraldine Murphy, who was a teacher from uh, Mayfield. And by all accounts, she sounds like an incredible person, um, a really good person. And um, from what I understand, this is a, a tribute to her, the kind of goodness um, and the, the good work that she did. And, and he would just like to carry that on. He's... So, by all accounts, he's also a very good person, yeah. you know. <laughs> sounds sounds it, yeah. doesn't he? Mary, I, I, I don't think, you know, you can watch it on television, you can read the newspaper, you can listen to documentaries, but, but I don't think we can possibly comprehend the reality on the ground, can we, at the moment in Afghanistan? No, no. Um, yeah, it's un, it's unfathomable. Um, their, their journey and the decision to have to leave, um, well they didn't really have a choice. There was, um, um, the Taliban came to their house and, um, you know, searched the house and and threatened to kill them. So they um, really had no choice. They had to evacuate. So we can't understand, you know, what that must be like to have to leave everything behind. Um, How did they get out? Sorry? How did they get out? Um, so initially the family went into to hiding. They went in uh, to a friend's house in Kabul, but it was still incredibly dangerous for them. So what they had to do was um, create fake IDs. And with those fake IDs, um, they went to the, the border in Pakistan where they were um, tried to cross. But actually um, it was there that the Taliban held them overnight. And... Um, and during this night, um, in the middle of the night, they, they woke the family and they took the seven-year-old boy, which you, um, it's hard to, <laughs> to comprehend what that must have been like for the family. But um, they took the seven-year-old boy to question him, um, just to check the story, the validity of the story. And, questioned um, a seven-year-old child. A seven, yeah, I know I have a seven-year-old. I can't quite think what that must have been like. Um, but yeah, he's an, an impressive kid. Uh, somehow <laughs> he was able to recall the story, um, uh, well enough. And, um, thankfully they were allowed to cross the following day, um, into Pakistan. I mean, obviously then it's still, they're not completely safe there either. So, um, they did spend a, a bit of time there and actually it's worth mentioning they did all of this not knowing that they were going to get refugee status or asylum anywhere else it was just an, an act of desperation do you know so yeah and then they yeah. managed to get to Ireland explain the programme because I'm sure we, we did cover it on the programme on, on, on the opinion line before but explain the 
the, the programme that allows them to come here? How does that work? Um, yeah, sure. So I, I'm, I'm learning myself, but um, um, it's, it's um, Irish yeah, refugee Irish protection. Refugee. Yeah. Ex- exactly. And um, I mean, that's offered them to come now um, to be, you know, to, to, to live here as everybody else lives here. Mm. Um, there's, a, there's a lot initially for them to go through. You know, it's a lot of red tape, a lot of paperwork. Yeah. And that's where, um, you know, um, in particular, too, we look to the community to help support and help the family adjust. Yeah. Um, um, and that's definitely been happening, which has been wonderful. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I guess um, it was just through um, the help of, certain people in particular, like, um, you know, even from the beginning when we were appealing um, for the family to get this kind of status or, um, you know, we appealed to, um, this is, sorry, my partner and my partner's family as well, to different TDs, MEPs and local councillors. And it was um, the Green Party councillor, Oliver Moran, who took up the mm-hmm. cause. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so we're just really thankful for that. <laughs> and, yeah. um and then, yeah, the, and then from there, um, yeah. And yeah how how did they travel here in the end? I, I, there are no direct flights, obviously, from that part of the world to Ireland. So how did they get here in the end? Um, yeah, do you know what? I'm not entirely sure of the flight pattern. <laughs> yeah. But they arrived in, a, in, in Dublin, yes. Okay, mm-hmm. and so they're in Dublin. Um, when are they due in Cork, do you know, Mary? I beg your pardon? When did they do to come to Cork and settle into this lovely house they've been offered? Yeah, sure. So they actually arrived last night. Oh, so Colm, yep, and um, some family friends um, picked them up last night. From They've been staying in um, a centre for two weeks uh, quarantining. Sure. So, yeah, yeah, they arrived in the house last night. Fantastic. Now, you set up a GoFundMe for them because, look, settling in a new country when you've had to left, leave everything you own virtually behind you is is difficult. So you set up a GoFundMe. Yeah, that's right. I mean, as you said, it's just because they've had to leave everything behind. So, um, yeah, and um, this is the first time I've set up a GoFundMe and um, there's been a fantastic response. Um, a lot of, I think because I set up the fund, um, I'm able to see all the messages that come in. Yeah. And there's been... Uh, it's, it's quite heartwarming. There's a lot of beautiful messages that have come yeah. in, um, offers of support. I mean, not everybody can donate, but yeah. it's a credit to the court community. They're, I have to say, exceptional people. There's just, you know, people uh, wishing the family well, prayers, um, offering, you know, uh, clothes, um, yeah. uh, offering to connect into the community. And um, I would just like everyone to know that actually all these messages I, I'm sharing with the family, sure. I intend to make sure they see them. I think it's important to let them know that they they are being this welcome. You, you, you set a target of a thousand euro. Um, I checked the GoFundMe at 8am and have you any idea how much is in there? <laughs> yeah, over over five. Over 5,000 euro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just remarkable yeah. and it's it's such a... I, I guess that would be so much relief to them that you can actually hand this money to them and say, welcome to Cork, now, now settle in. Yeah, yeah, it's just, um, it's so great. It will really, really help them. Um, okay. So, yeah, thank you. To- oh, that line has just gone again as she was thanking everybody who's donated 
and in particular to the man who has donated room in his house, uh, which is quite a remarkable uh, gentleman. His name is Colm, um, Colm Brosnan, and he has allowed them to move into his house with him for a year. And the people who've given up money to the GoFundMe, which now stands at 5,210. Mary, thank you. And if they can hear us, we say to Noura and to Arif and Abbas and Arafat and Emram, welcome. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Cork's 96FM. Right, a lot to get through uh, today. A um, couple of things. A tradition that I want you to think about. Um, it's an old tradition. I think it still goes on in many parts of certainly Cork, Fiona Cavan girl. Fiona has never heard of it. Um but it is it used to be a thing in Cork and I think it may still be a thing in Cork. We'll check in a minute. Also on that booster vaccine clinic, just a little clarification and all the details are on HSE.ie. The walk in clinic uh, is for the twelve years or over. That's for their first or second dose. And of course, 12 to 15 year olds need to have a parent or a guardian with them for ID and all that kind of thing. So the walk-in clinics are for the first and second dose for 12 years and over who haven't been vaccinated yet. The booster vaccine is for healthcare workers and 60 to 69 year olds only, which strikes me as strange because they're now doing the over 50s at GP surgeries, but they're only doing the over 60s at City Hall at the moment. All the details are on hse.ie. Today, 11 to 3, tomorrow, 2 to 6, and Saturday and Sunday, 9 to 3. Something else that has been drawn to my attention in the last little while, are you supposed to get a card when you get your booster, like we got a card when we got our first jabs? Now, I got my booster earlier this week, and I got a little small card just confirming that I'd had it. I know somebody else who got one when they got a booster at their GP, a woman, and then another woman, her her best friend, she got her jab at City Hall and she didn't get a card. So are you getting cards or are you not getting cards? Maybe we can clarify that, if anybody knows for sure. 1850-715-996. Now, Emer O'Neill is a new presenter on the Today Show on RTE. Uh, she has also written a book. Um, it's, I guess it's a children's book, Emer, but we could all take some some learning from it. It's called The Same But Different. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there because people do ask me what age is it for, and I kind of I think to myself... Uh, it's it is obviously it's a, it is a kids book, um, and I've gone over and I've I've actually done a few talks and a few readings in schools and um, junior infants, senior infants, first class and second class. So I'd kind of say you know up to the age of like eight or nine but like you said I think we can all take a little something from it at the end of the day it has a lovely message and yes it talks about racism in a sense but I don't ever use the word racism mm. um, because the book really what I wanted it to be was a book for everyone so when I say the same but different I suppose the book talks about your differences and being different and feeling different and I think that's something that's accessible for 
for everybody because we've all felt different. We've all felt ostracized at one time or another. We and as kids have felt left out of groups for whatever reason. Um and um and I think that's what, what this whole the whole book really is trying to talk about more so is to try and find those commonalities that you have with each other rather than always focusing on our differences. Um and with that it's it's a it's a case of your difference, your uniqueness is actually your superpower. Mm. And I love this, like the reaction I get from the kids when I'm when I'm in the class and I say it's your superpower. They all kind of turn and look at me like, oh, like my my difference is my superpower. My I'm unique and uh, it's my superpower. They just love it, you know. Uh, the central character, of course, is is Little Emer, uh, who is yeah. is teased because she has brown skin and fuzzy hair. How much of this is is autobiographical, Emer, in a way? Yeah, it's true. It's just, it's just, it's literally me. I literally sat down and I wrote down how I remember feeling as a child. Like literally, um, I've left out things that I thought were too much because, like, I have memories of like kids not wanting to hold my hands when we'd be playing games, and I'd always be left out of like, you know, oh, pick your group. Um, I remember there was a, a kid with eczema on her hands and uh, both me and her were left out of everything. So it was almost like I had some kind of skin condition. People didn't want to hold my hand or kind of... Why ever not? Be... Pardon? Why not? Um, well, I suppose when I put myself in the category with the girl with eczema who they didn't want to hold her hand, it was like almost having brown skin was a disease. Oh, um you know, and um, and I felt like that, like a lot growing up. Um, like I recall, well, my mum reminded me of it, you know, um, but it's something I've known since I was quite young. But that when I was around five years old, I, I tried to scrub the brown off my skin and I was really, really upset that I couldn't get it off. So I was as young as five knowing that I was different and it was because of my skin. Um, and then, of course, I have my own kids. So I have um, Kai and he's seven. And then I have Sunny Ray and she's nearly two. And like Kai would be darker than me. Um, he's mixed. He's got he's mixed half Jamaican um, and uh, a quarter uh, Nigerian and a quarter Irish. And his skin is that bit darker. Um, and he has already started coming to me with things. Uh, in fact, in the last month, he was told um, by schoolmates that his skin looked like poo and he was called a black D-I-C-K. Um, so it's evidence that there's a need for these conversations to happen. I did go into his school and I read my book to his class and a couple of the other classes in the school because I feel like my book is a good way to start those conversations. It's very difficult for teachers to be asked to handle these kind of situations when we have zero training. Like I've been teaching for 12 years. Um, I'm a secondary school teacher and I have never been trained in how to deal with or, you know, manage incidents of racism. So it's it's very difficult mm. to know really the right way to do without just completely trying to educate yourself and understand what privilege is and recognizing racism and all of that kind of stuff. So I, I just felt for, you know, I wanted this for my, my kids. Obviously it broke my heart to hear yeah, my child say things like that to me. Can I, um, can, as you've been teaching for for so many years, you're you're a good co- person to, to put this question in. This is a bunch of questions. Yeah. It's a personal theory, Emer, having raised a couple of kids myself uh, in, to, to yeah. find young adults. Racism is not something that kids are born with. They learn it Correct. from the adults around them. Would you agree with me? 
I would, yeah. And I've, I've been heard to say many a time that we are not born with hate. Um, that is a, a learnt uh, or a taught a, um, emotion and, and to, to hate other people uh, and, and treat them differently because of the colour of the skin. We don't have that capacity as children. So you're right. It's something that we're that, that, that the children are hearing either in the playground um, and, or in the estate or whatever. But ultimately, it goes back to the adult's in those in in those kids lives really and truly because you know environment is is a lot is it's almost everything um and you're going to mimic what you see and hear around you all the time which is why school has taken on this kind of role of like i remember i was i was teaching a class called ethics you know and you'd wonder why would you have to have a class like that like they learn that at home but the, i mean sometimes that's not always the case um <laughs> You know what I mean? So school has taken on that role of nearly parenting in ways to teach our children how to be global learners, global citizens, you know, culturally aware and and all of these things. And that's why I think it's so, so important that it's instilled in schools, because we can't always be sure that it's coming from somewhere else. Okay. Okay, listen, it is great to talk to you, uh, Emer. Uh, look forward to meeting you uh, next time I'm back on the Today Show. Uh, but Emer O'Neill from RTS Today Show, the, write, uh, the author of a book called The Same But Different. Uh, thank you, Emer, for being with us on the Opinion Line. 1850-715-996, that book out at the moment in all good bookshops, as they say. We just had a call from... Uh, a worker in City Hall to say you do get a separate card when you get the booster jab. Unfortunately, the woman that I was talking to last night didn't get one. She was in the City Hall, she got her booster, but she didn't get a card. What might she do would be the question I think that we'd ask. 1850 the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. On set is an exciting new group featuring some of Ireland's finest traditional musicians and they're set to perform at Cork's Triscoll Arts Centre on December 12th. Tickets are available from triscollartcentre.ie City Limits Comedy Club presents lovable northern rogue Colin Murphy for two nights on December 3rd and 4th. An experienced, reliable comic with a fluid, mesmerising style. Tickets for Colin's show this weekend are available at tickets.ie Access All Areas Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or any live streaming events coming up by emailing us here at aaa at 96fm.ie Access All Areas Your guide to Nightlife on Leeside. On Cork's 96FM. Back this Saturday at 96FM.ie at the Premier League Live with Trevor Welsh and the team powered by TalkSport. Again, they have a busy Saturday. West Ham versus Chelsea at 12.30. Newcastle v Burnley at 3. And Watford against Manchester City at half past 5. It's the Premier League Live online with Now. Stream live action from BT Sport and Premier Sport with a Now Sports Extra membership. And listen Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or at 96FM.ie. Caller says, I got my booster. <laughs> a couple of different stories. I got my booster two weeks ago. I didn't get a card. I asked the nurse and she said, no, you don't get one. Me and my husband got our booster three weeks ago. We didn't get a card. So how do we prove I got the booster? 
Well, we are also getting calls from people who did get cards. Got my booster on Monday in City Hall and I got a small card, says Christine. Confusion reigns. 1850-715-996. Fascinating story in Britain about a woman called Evie Toombs. She is a champion show jumper. She's 20 years of age, but she was born with spina bifida. And, you know, as a consequence of that, she sometimes spends 24 hours a day connected to tubes. It's just, she gets on with her life, but her life is obviously held back by by spina bifida. But she has sued her mother's GP, Dr. Philip Mitchell, for failing to advise her mum to take folic acid when her mum was trying to get pregnant. So now she's, she sued Dr. Mitchell for wrongful conception. It's a landmark case. And the judge, a judge called Rosalind Coe, backed the case so she could be entitled now to a huge compensation payout because her mother's GP didn't correctly advise her mum when her mum was trying to get pregnant. Uh, Dear Mahoney is a barrister specialising in human rights and indeed patient safety. Dear could that kind of thing happen here? Good morning. Morning, PJ. Um, well, I suppose the first thing to say is anything is possible. Mm. Um, and this case, um, which was reported yesterday, is being described as landmark and groundbreaking. Um, personally, I've read a lot of negative commentary about it online, probably more so on social media. Um, but I think that uh, the important thing for people hearing about it to understand is that this girl, uh, who's beautiful, 20-year-old young lady, has severe lifelong health issues now as a result of what the judge found was fault on the part of her mum's GP. Um, so while it can, it can be easy for people to sit back and, and be critical of it, we have to bear in mind none of us sat through the lengthy evidence and in fact, none of us, myself included, have read the judgment. I don't think that the judgment has been published or mm. disseminated yet. OK, so it's at the moment, it's all sort of speculation, um, PG. But I think traditionally, yes, the Irish courts have followed um, uh, UK jurisprudence, uh, which has set precedence in other areas. So it is entirely possible, foreseeable and conceivable that we could have a case like this coming down the tracks. Yeah. You said the judgment hasn't yet been published uh, properly and I imagine when it does it'll become a legal paper and, and you'll all study it in, in detail and, and form a view on it. Well, it seems from, and you're, you're correct, and I was listening to a radio discussion on this late last night, tried to take in the details myself because I knew we'd be talking about it today, that she, her belief was that the doctor ignored the fact that folic acid would have been useful and didn't tell her mum take folic acid. In fact, discouraged her from taking folic acid. So gave her wrong advice. Her mum acted on that advice. And now Evie's got spina bifida. And we know that science tells us that taking folic acid is a way to avoid spina bifida. So that was where she she based her case. You've got it in one, PJ. I mean, from what I know of this case, before this girl's mum conceived... She made an appointment with the GP to discuss family planning. Uh, so she was very conscientious. The standard practice at the time back in 2001 was to advise women planning a pregnancy to take folic acid as it remains now. 
Um, and uh, the mum in this case was advised that it was optional, that it was for her to decide. And I think the GP didn't did not warn her of any risk or association between uh, the failure to take uh, folic acid and neural tube defects like spina bifida. So I think the note he had maintained in his own records was folate if desired, but he certainly did not prescribe it for this lady. Um, and in fact, I think it's important listeners know that the defendant, so the GP's legal team actually agreed um, before the case started, they agreed that that was what happened um, and that that was a breach of duty. Uh, he should have he should have informed Evie's mum that she should have taken folic acid preconception and for 12 weeks into the pregnancy. And I think as well, PJ, like I've seen a lot of people, I've heard people overnight saying, oh, sure, you know, everybody knows about this, but you've got to you've got to put it in context. This was 2001. Mm-hmm. We didn't have smartphones. Most people didn't have access to the Internet. And albeit she was an educated woman, she put her trust in the professional. She made that appointment and she sought advice and, you know, she wasn't given the correct advice. Yeah. As you say, it's one that uh, your profession will study in, in great detail. Should should GPs say it in writing to to a, mm. a, a, someone wanting to get pregnant, for example, or would a court tend to, to accept that it was verbally given as advice? Well, that's a fascinating question. And I think this was the learning from this case is just about that. It was, it's a stark reminder for GPs of the need to take clear, detailed notes of all of their consultations with patients. Um, because without evidence of a clear note of what was said at a GP consultation to back up uh, the doctor's version of events, I think claims will be very difficult for them to defend down the line in court. Um, so doctors, yeah, they must ensure that patients understand the advice being given. If the patient has questions, they they must be documented and the answered. Um, and the answers must be documented because if not, I suppose, um, if there if there aren't records, it will come down to ultimately effectively a swearing match. It could be the patient's word as against the doctors. Uh, so it is very important, crucial, I suppose, that this case reflects that the duty on doctors to keep a comprehensive note of their discussions with patients. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll talk again. I've no doubt about it, but this and similar cases. Daryl O'Mahony, a barrister specialising in human rights and patient safety. Thank you for being with us. That story, the papers are full of it, and I've no doubt there'll be television about it too. EV tombs. It is a fascinating story, and one which, as Darren says, could well have implications going forward. Georgina, you booked this Lapland trip thinking everything would be all right this Christmas. COVID-wise, it's not, and you've got a problem. Good morning. Yeah, hi, PJ. I just want to say first, I know it's a first-world problem compared to your other stories this morning, but it's really causing anxiety for me and my I'm family. Sure. Hey, there's a lot of money involved in this there is as well. a lot. That's right, and um, PJ, I saved and saved for this trip because we had a tough two years. And it's our dream to go with Christmas people. Yeah. Christmas people from, from St. Stephen's Day we're counting down to next Christmas. Like myself. Like yourself, you know. Minutes I put away the dinner, actually. Yeah, yeah I'm the same. I have my little notebook. But um, no, I'm tra- I want to postpone the trip to next year mm-hmm. because I'm very anxious about travelling, especially since the new variant, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not a, they won't need me because there's no legitimate reason. 
Now, without naming a travel agent, did yeah. you book through one? Yes, I did. Okay, and and it's and what did they say to you? No, because it's they're they're booking agents. They're the travel agents and the booking group won't do it because they said they provide PCR tests in Lapland for us. But then what happened was we're only staying for one night, PJ, mm-hmm. and they won't do it, so we have to do it here ourselves. Right. right? Just the adults. My issue is that the kids, where it's riddled in the school at the moment, the kids will be travelling and they don't need an antigen test. They don't need a PCR test. What age are your kids? Nine and six. Yeah. And my youngest fella is special needs, or as I call, superpowers. Mm. And um, I'm just concerned going on a plane with all these kids. And on top of that, my mother had a heart attack four months ago. Now, she's fit to fly, but I don't want to take that risk. Yeah. I don't want to take that risk. I I mean, Mm. we're in a pandemic. I I feel I should be allowed to transfer to next year. How how much has all this cost you, Georgie? Four and a half thousand. Look, it's a lot of money, but you've saved up for it and you wanted to do it. What we'll do, uh, we haven't named agents or anything on the air with you. What we'll do is we, first of all, won't make any promises, okay? Okay, Some people would, we won't. We won't make any promises. What we will do is we'll contact people that we know that know the business backwards. How's that? That would be fantastic, PJ. All right. I'm not going to make any promises to you because that would be silly. We're going to make make the best of it. The PCR test book and everything, you know. So we're going to make the best of it. It's just, I work in hospitality myself and if someone wants to change a date or transfer a date, in this time, there's no issue. Right. Right. So you're going to go? You're not going to lose your money? But but you'd you'd rather postpone? Yeah, I'd rather postpone, but I will go and make the most of it. I'm anxious about going, but... Okay. Well, let, let, let us see what you might be entitled to do, Georgina, and, and we'll come back to you if we, can, if we can find anything out. Thanks for getting in touch with us. Thank you. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96FM. With your local mace, going the extra smile to make your Christmas special. Let's get down, let's get down to business. We're back to the music. The Cork's 96FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Just like this. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100 euro Just Eat voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Join the Quark's 96FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Coming up in a while, if Santa is bringing screens this year, be careful of what he's putting into the hands of your children. There's a seminar coming up, an online seminar on the 7th of December to help you with that. i get to that in a while. This situation with booster vaccine cards, every time someone tries to clarify it, it becomes more confusing. Remember I was telling you about two women I know. One got a card 
the other didn't get a card. And they were wondering, like, are you entitled to a card or are you not? I got a card myself when I got my booster. So City Hall rang to say that you do get a separate card if you've got the booster jab. Then we were inundated with loads of people saying, well, I got a card, but I didn't get a card. I got a card. So it now appears that initially there wasn't a card for your third dose because they didn't want to confuse it with the first card for your first two doses. But then they decided to give out a card. If you have been to City Hall and didn't get a card, ring them up and they'll send you one because obviously they'll have your details. So if you want a card and didn't get one and you went to City Hall, ring them, give them the details and they'll send it out to you. Same with your GP. If you're at your GP and didn't get a card, ring them up and they'll send one out to you. But initially they weren't going to do it then they decided that they would. And, and that's where the confusion arises. Right. Yeah, loads more of them. Me and my husband got our booster three weeks ago. We didn't get a card. How do we prove we got the booster? I'd like to know what we can do. Ring him up. Ring up wherever you got them and they'll send you a card. Uh, I rang the... I got my booster, didn't get a card. I asked the nurse. She said, you don't get one. Well, you do you do now and then we got this one Ed, does anyone know if someone with mobility issues can just turn up at City Hall to get assistance to go in for their booster generally yes they prefer you they prefer you to have someone with you to try to help you or indeed to have your own um, wheelchair if you use one but if it's a thing that you need help it'll be there for you and by, by any account that we've heard they are very good in there with helping people with their mobility uh, 1850-715-996 I'll come back to that I won't call it a moral dilemma just something that people might think about with uh, with three weeks to Christmas I'll come back to that in just a sec but I want to go to Avril Ronan who's Global Programme Manager of Trend Micro and they are having that online event on Zoom uh, on the 7th of December to cover the kind of safety issues concerned with I suppose Putting children online. Hey, Avril, good to talk to you again. Hey, PJ, you too. Now, we will have lots of um, boxes and parcels under the tree Christmas morning. Santi bringing screens, yeah. uh, particularly if Santi is bringing the first screen or an advanced form of screen. Parents need to be wary yeah. what they're bringing to the house, don't they? Absolutely. Uh, it goes without saying. Um, and I suppose what we always say uh, is... With everything, there are advantages and benefits and there are risks. And, um, you know, obviously I'll go through all that on the webinar Tuesday night, but I was trying to think what if I could give two things to you on the show this morning, PJ, for parents out there when it comes to Christmas that they shouldn't forget, right? One is the relationship with your child. I'm sure every parent out there will be relieved to hear that there is no piece of technology that will ever replace the important role that a parent um, and teacher has in their child's life. Um, that relationship is built on trust. And the more you trust your child and the more you talk to your child, you know your own child. Mm. So, um, you know, observe, be aware and um, help them get navigate the online world, grow up with them together online. Um, so that's that's the first thing. And next Tuesday night is more is more about 
managing screen time, right? Um, so teaching kids from a young age about, you know, self-regulating their time online, showing them that, you know, 24 hours in a day, it's not all about spending all those 24 hours online. And there's different tips and techniques we have around that. Mm. So the first thing is the relationship, right? And the other thing is settings and tech tools. They're out there. There's loads of them yeah. and you don't have to buy them. So whatever device that you mentioned is under that tree, in that device, there are settings, parental controls and tech tools. But the most important thing about these is that you set them together and agree the rules together. And those rules ah. change as they get older as well. Because I was going to think, would one have a conversation with Santa beforehand and sit down with Santa and 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 go through them. No, have a chat with the child after Santa's dropped in the iPhone or the iPad or the screen or whatever. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, I totally agree. Um, I've promised my daughter, for example, that I will never take her device away from her. Um, you know, no matter no matter what happens, no matter as long as we always keep the conversation going open and she talks to me about everything and, you know, the problems really start when the talking stops. So she knows mm. she can tell me anything and I won't do I won't make it happen. Her worst fear of the mm. device being taken yeah. away. How important is it that it they together. all understand, Avril? Look, enjoy your screen, your laptop, your your iPad, whatever. Enjoy it. But yes. know this, you can tell me anything. There is nothing yeah. on that 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 if, you know, if, if you see something that you don't want to see, you tell me. Don't ever be afraid to tell me. Absolutely. I mean, that is every parent's worst nightmare, isn't it? That there are things going on that you're not aware of. Yeah. So it's so important no matter what. And you might not like to hear what they're going to tell you. But aren't you better off hearing it and knowing and being part of it with them right. and helping them figure it out no matter what it is. And and Avril, does it help to say that, look, if you do see something that you don't like, bring it to me and I will make sure you never have to see it again? Absolutely. And, and actually, that's where rule number two about settings and tech tools, whether you have an iOS or an Android device, whatever it is, there are amazing tools out there. Agree the rules together. And your device can actually sort out the amount of time you're online a day, what websites that you want to block, uh, what content you want to restrict. Even on an app like TikTok, you can actually could agree together, well, how much time do you want to spend on TikTok? You can spend the 24 hours, let's agree, and you know, try it out. And you can restrict that within the, within the settings of TikTok with um, parental controls and agree it with them, obviously. But it just goes to show there are amazing tools out there, but you can't just go in and set them all up and throw them throw the device their way. That's just not going to work. Yeah. You need to, it needs to be back to the relationship. It needs to be about trust. It can't be um, about control. What, what, like you and me, uh, PJ, none of us want to be controlled or told what to do. Neither do kids. Mm -hmm. So it's about building that relationship and building trust and growing up together with them. And you know your own child if you feel there's something going on. There is technology out there, Avril, that I'm sure you've come across where if your child is downloading an app to their device, you can see it on your device and you get to approve it or not. Are you in favour of that stuff? Absolutely, yeah. It's brilliant. Like even just even on the old on the iPad, the iOS device. So I have they happen to have iOS. But if you have it doesn't matter whether you have iOS or Android or whatever device. Um, I've set up screen time within the iOS. So both their accounts are in under my phone and um, they can't download anything 
without asking me permission. So what I get, and I could be up in Dublin and I get a request saying I want to download this editing, video editing app or whatever it is they want. So what that is, is an opportunity then for me to research it with them together to find out, you know, the age ratings, the content, is it appropriate? And then they tell me why they want it and what the fun is. And and we learn together, we're teaching them research and then we agree or disagree. And I either approve their request or I reject it. But it's all about the conversation and and talking to them about it. But again, within your device, you can set it up so they can download these things without talking to you first. Okay. and restricting screen time as well. It's, it's great, but it can't be used in isolation. Okay. Where can people get find out more or book in for the webinar on the 7th of December? PJ, you know, all our work is free in community and they can just join us on Tuesday night on the webinar. It's, it's, I was trying to think which is the easiest. On our Instagram account, you can check us out on Trend Micro ISKF Europe. And if you go to our website there under the events page, that's where you'll find our webinar details. Um, or just go to trimicro.com internet safety and go to the events page for Ireland and you'll see it there as well. All right, I'm sure. And actually, PJ, on our website, we've got the new Cyber Academy. It's got an accessibility feature now. So there's so many good, you know, if you've got audio or hearing impairment, that's the same thing, audio or visual impairment or any learning difficulties like ADD, the website is facilitating that as well. So it's fantastic to help everyone. Great work as always. Avril Ronan, Global Programme Manager with Trend Micro, trendmicro.com. Look for internet safety and you get all the details of that webinar coming up next week, the 7th of December. Okay, I want to think about this and see what you would do Jimmy's putting up his Christmas tree and his decorations, but not sure if he should. Because Jimmy buries his father-in-law this week, and uh, my condolences, Jimmy. Uh, dad was a name, dad, father-in-law was a name called Michael Anderson. He was a well-known publican. So my condolences to you and the family, Jimmy. But Jimmy has the tree and the decorations, and he's wondering, should he put them up? Now, there was a tradition... Is it still there? I don't know. There was a tradition that if you had a death in the family, particularly a parent or an in-law, anyone, if you had a death in the family, you didn't celebrate that Christmas. You didn't send out cards. You didn't sometimes put up a tree or lights. You might put up a crib. If anyone puts up a crib anymore, you might put up a crib. So what would you advise Jimmy to do? My own advice to Jimmy would be, Jimmy, do whatever feels right for you. Uh, the, the year that my dad passed away was 2018. Uh, he died in January. Uh, we celebrated that Christmas uh, because he knew we loved Christmas. Uh, he knew that in my house in particular, we loved Christmas. Uh, and that's what we did. We celebrated. And then when my father-in-law died and my mother-in-law, they died, we celebrated those Christmases too because those people, well, they all knew that we loved Christmas and my sister-in-law died and we celebrated that Christmas because she loved Christmas but I think it's up to everybody so what would you there was a thing there was a thing that you didn't that you shouldn't but is it still there what would you do what would you advise Jimmy to do and again our condolences 1850 715 Can we just talk 
Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Cork's 96FM. Yeah, thanks Kevin. It's been a very difficult year for Kevin and his family. And he just put a picture of his Christmas tree and says, Jimmy, trust me, you'll feel a whole lot better. Thanks for that. Kev, and I know it's going to be a difficult Christmas, mate, and we'll be thinking of you here. Quick one. My good friend Kieran Kramer, you'll remember back to September, I had a chat with Kieran. Kieran got bitten by a horsefly in the summer of 2020, and he got sepsis, and he damn nearly died, the poor bugger. And the doctors have since indicated to him that they believe his sepsis was caused by the fact that he had had COVID and knew nothing about it. So his sepsis was COVID-related. The very, 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 very rare syndrome. But anyway, uh, Kieran is struggling to get back to to a normal life now. Uh, he's in good form, but he's using a wheelchair and will be for for quite some time. If if not, if not forever. But there's a fundraiser for Kieran on the sixth of December, which is Monday night at the Friars Walk. Tavern. They're also organising golf for four people at the old head of Kinsale, but uh, he needs to organise an adapted car for himself and he needs to sort out weekly gym sessions and rehabilitation exercises, water-based. He needs a powered wheelchair. He he got a loan of one for the summer by his friends in MMS Medical, but he needs to pull all those things together and he's a great stalwart of the music industry in Cork and a fantastic talent and has entertained tens of thousands of people over the years. So there's a, a fundraiser for Kieran Kramer at the Friars Walk Tavern Monday the 6th of December. You can find out more on their Facebook page. 1850 There are always those who don't get visitors at Christmas who don't get cards at Christmas, who don't even get a call and sometimes Christmas comes and goes and nobody comes near them and they're lonely and they're vulnerable and many of them are elderly. Uh, Alone uh, is a national organisation supporting the elderly. Uh, former GA Secretary General uh, Porrick Duffy is their brand ambassador. Porrick, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Porrick, it is a time of year when some people, we all, well, as best we can under the current circumstances, we all get together and we enjoy each other's company as best we can. But some people, it'll just be another lonely day. Yes, uh, and in some ways, it, it, it can be the loneliest time of the year for those who live alone because, as you said, we're inclined ourselves to move back into our families and our circle of friends and so on. And sometimes the support that perhaps people have got over the rest of the year aren't available or as available around Christmas time. So it is a very lonely time. And particularly at the moment, uh, you know, after two years of, of, of COVID and the impact that has had on people living alone. Uh, this Christmas could be tough for a lot of people. Yeah. Is it particularly elderly people you find? I know alone centres on the elderly, but is it is it particularly elderly people? It does. Well, I mean, look, the, the evidence is there. I mean, the, the CSO uh, have issued statistics that 
say that during the, co- the COVID period, the levels of loneliness have almost doubled. And they point out specifically there have been significant impact experienced by the groups who are most at risk, which include older people. Now, there are other people as well, like family carers, people with dementia and so on. But older people are certainly one of the groups that have been most affected by levels of loneliness uh, over the past two years in particular. Yeah. And, it, and it is a particular issue that around Christmas, I think. And many of them would have been people, yeah, the two years, I'll come back to that, but ma- many people, they would have been very active and outgoing in in their in their younger days, and and to to contrast that with the loneliness of modern times must be very hard with them, hard for them. Yeah, you're right. I mean, a lot of the people who are living alone are people who would have made a very significant contribution to the local communities, as you say, would have been very active. Uh, but alone, alone's focus is is on enabling people to live to age well at home, and and that means being involved in the community, helping them to, to be part of the community and so on, encouraging initiatives that, that include community involvement. And that's been tough over, over the past two years, and it's especially tough around Christmas time. But you're right, very often the people who, who are alone now are the people who have given most to communities over the years, but perhaps because of family circumstances, they find themselves in a situation of living alone. And, you know, it's easy to forget them eh, because we you know, we have so much going on in the rest of our lives, etc. And around Christmas time in particular, it is easy just to forget those who, who are alone. How can we help? Well, okay. The, the, what's, what Alone is asking for this year, PJ, specifically is they're asking that every single person would pledge one act of giving in support of, of their Christmas campaign. Now, the, the, the one act of giving, I suppose, the most important one really is you give of yourself a, a little bit of your time. If, if there is someone who you know who lives alone, just to visit that person, that would be a great act of giving. Uh, and you know, if everyone in, in the in, if everyone in Ireland did that, committed that one act of giving over this Christmas, what what a difference that would make. Obviously, there are other ways as well. You can make donations to alone uh, to support alone services, or you can simply refer a person, an older person who you feel might benefit from alone services. Uh, I think the point to remember is is this, that look, all of us will be old. If we're not old now, we will be old someday. And we will, you know, we want we will want that to be a positive experience. And I suppose what we're saying now is, let's try and make it a positive experience for someone else this Christmas in one of the ways that I've just mentioned. Sometimes, um, Patrick, what can happen is that, you know, old Mrs. Murphy down the road, God love her, she's in her early 80s, she doesn't go out much. Her husband passed away a couple of years ago and... She's there and do you know what? She mightn't be the most pleasant lady on whose door to knock. So therefore people ignore her and leave her alone. This is the time to run the risk, isn't it? Exactly. And and, and that can be a challenge. You know, we sometimes are reluctant to approach someone who may not be the most approachable or personable. But very often they're they're the people with whom we can make the most progress. You know, one act of kindness can have a transformative effect. And sometimes, you know, we are, we are a bit standoffish. I mean, we're, we're reluctant to. We don't want to interfere. But very often, these people who live alone, it means so much to them. Let, let me just tell you a little story, PJ. Sure. This is somewhat separate from alone, but it's the same principle. Uh, I'm part of a GA club in County Monon here, Scotstown. It's a very, very rural area. And yeah. just prior to COVID, in fact, about two years ago, a, a wonderful lady in our club called Bernie Sherry started an initiative in the parish uh, called Make Your Cayley. Uh, the old word going in your Kaylee to someone else's house. And she encouraged club members to take on older people and make an occasional visit uh, to people in the parish who they knew were living alone. And it was absolutely transformative and really, really welcomed. Very, very few people turned down the opportunity of, of having a visit or a visit from someone that they knew, someone, that, you know, at least they knew it was it was safe and so on. And it, it really has, as 
it's 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 still in existence now, even though it's it's over two years ago since it started. But these kind of little initiatives, we do believe that visiting people who live alone, you may see no one, and they may they may see no one in the course of the whole day. So yeah. therefore, a visit is 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 a very positive experience for them. It's the and old concept right. of metal in the community, isn't it? Pardon? The old concept of metal, the old Irish word exactly. metal. Exactly, exactly, exactly. The Irish word metal. It's, it's the same thing. But we're we're all part of a community. We share what we have, and really, that's what we're asking people to do this particular Christmas: is to share their time, give us their time, to mm. visit someone who, who who may be alone this Christmas. The strange thing is that at Christmas time, is people are very vulnerable because. The people who may, who may do things, you know, community activity in the course of the year, at Christmas, for two weeks, the country almost closes down. And it's very easy to, to that those who live alone are just forgotten or perhaps, you know, yeah, forgotten during that period. So we need to be really, really on the, on the ball, I think, at Christmas time to make sure that everyone in our society, at least, is, is not totally alone during the, the Christmas time. Excellent. Uh, you're a Scotstown man. I, I, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, you're talking yeah, to a member. Yeah. You're talking to a member of a Nemo family. Oh, very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bit of history there. Ah, yeah. 19, the yeah. 19, 1979. Have you forgiven? Have the, you forgiven the, the, the us the snow, for that? Are oh, we forgiving you the snowy final? Well, That's I, right. I do remember, but that. But I do remember most of all is the, the long journey home. It's bad enough to be beaten, but I have to come home in a snowstorm afterwards. That was even worse. <laughs> <laughs> all right, listen. Have a lovely Christmas. See you and all your uh, friends and colleagues in Alone and indeed at Scottstown GA Club. Thank you very much. 1850 Make a decision to just visit somebody or do something for somebody. If all you did for that old lady on the road who isn't, or that old man down the road who isn't the most friendly, if all you did was nip to Centra and get a bottle of milk and a pound of rashers and a loaf of bread and put it into their porch and ring the doorbell and say, look, I thought you might like that for Christmas. Do you know? Be nice. 1857-15996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Cork's 96FM. Sheila has a good question about COVID search. Sheila, with you in about one minute. That okay? No problem, PJ. Great. Thank you. Okay. we got to give you the last set of footsteps. Yeah, I did give you the second one. <laughs> I snuck it in in the second hour. So the last set of footsteps with Foot Solutions on the Grand Parade gave you a set in the first hour, snuck one in in the second, and now I'm giving you our third and final set of footprints. We need the total. How, how many have you heard in total? You counting? Here you go. If you've been paying attention, you should how now have a total. All right? So get your text and WhatsApp going to 083-396-9696, your name and the answer. And give the gift of happiness to your loved ones this Christmas with a Foot Solutions gift card. Free your feet and the rest will follow. Give you the winner before quitting time at 12 o'clock. Right, Sheila, your question about COVID starts. Good morning. Uh, you brought it to our attention there this morning, PJ, when you said that you got one and a lady that you knew didn't. So you gave out, you said people should ring the City Hall, which I did because my husband and myself got ours um, last month 
And we got no cert and we're going on holidays. Well, now, these are the, I'm talking about the cards, the card that says you've had your booster. Uh, That's just a card. The, the, The COVID cert is as it is. That has not changed and won't well, I, change for a while. Right. I rang the City Hall anyway, and they gave me a number, and they, then the number I rang, they gave me the DCC number, and the guy told me that they're not issuing anything for um, boosters. Not at the moment, no. Well, if you want a card now, you can ring the City Hall, and they'll send you out a card. But all that tells you is that you've had your booster and when you had it. It's not yet been, I say yet because I think it might be in the new year, it hasn't yet been made part of the COVID cert. Right. The cert is the cert. So if you're travelling and you have a valid cert, you're good to go. That's right. No, I was, you know, you, I got nervous when you said that, uh, you know, you got the booster one and you got it. I thought you said you got a cert. No, I didn't. No, I'm sorry, Sheila. I got it. I misheard. Yeah, you probably didn't say you got a cert. You probably said you got a card, but I panicked. (laughs) <laughs> well, now that clarifies it. People are getting cards all right if they ring up and ask for one if they didn't get one the first time. But it's got the, the, the COVID cert is as is. If you've got one, it's still That's valid and you're good to go. All right, Sheila. And wherever you're going, enjoy yourself. Thank you. 1850 Speaking of travelling, uh, we've been talking a lot about the Munster players and officials. There's 14 of them isolating now in Cape Town after testing positive for COVID. The rest got home, but some of the people who went with them or went out to watch the matches are still stranded. Donald McClement. Hello, Donald. How are you? Whereabouts are you, Uh, Donald? We're not not quite stranded, but but we learned only an hour ago that our flight back on Sunday had been cancelled and we're now looking to get elsewhere. We came out for 10 days in total and um, have been touring. We're up at the Kruger National Park for the last two days and it was amazing. Mm -hmm. Is there much concern out there about COVID variants, restrictions? Uh, No, no, apparently not. Masks are virtually compulsory uh, and I believe the South Africans reckon that because of the uh, what they learned from the AIDS epidemic years ago, that they know how to cope with pandemics. But um, uh, we've had no problem. Uh, people in any shop or restaurant are, are um, wearing masks and you're allowed to take your mask off when you sit down and there's, there's nothing closed. Right. So you were going over for one or two of the Munster matches. Obviously, they're, they're not happening now and some of the lads are caught up in quarantine. So when will you get back now, seeing as your flight has been cancelled? <laughs> that's that's a sixty four thousand dollar question. We were due to have a match last Saturday and this Saturday, and one match was in Pretoria and the other was in Johannesburg, which are only forty five kilometres apart. And then we, I had booked to go up to the national park for a couple of days, which we've just we're just completing, and we're heading back towards Johannesburg now. Uh, but we're contacting airlines. Um, we're told that KLM and um, uh, Lufthansa and Swissair may well be back. There was a panic here. All the airlines stopped. Now, the view here is that, that Boris um, panicked and caused absolute chaos um, because, it, it, you know, it, they think it's not a problem. Mm. The South Africans aren't particularly concerned about it. In fact, I was talking to a journalist out there the other day about the discovery of it, and and, and the, the general belief is that the world is overreacting a bit with the, with all the changes in, in travel arrangements. Uh, but it's going to be an uncomfortable. Yes. Have the prices gone up of the flights, Donald? Because we heard a lot of people saying the flights, the price of flights, has gone through the roof. 
Well, I, we haven't we haven't been able to get on a flight. We tried last Saturday um, through a uh, um, friend of mine in, in Cork to book for us, and as soon as I said book it, it was gone. But they were looking at something like six hundred euros one way, yeah. uh, where they the, we came out Turkish Airlines um, for four hundred and ten euros return. Good but uh, frankly, if uh, we don't mind paying six hundred euros one way if we can get out. Uh, we don't want to be here for many more. And we don't want to be like the Munster boys in quarantine. Uh, and as well as that, both Mark and myself um, live alone. So we, we'll be allowed to go home and self-isolate. Yeah, you probably uh, and you will have, have to, to do that when you get back, Donald, because it's, it's self-isolate. Yeah. At the moment, at the moment, I know the doll is discussing hotel quarantine. Uh, you'll probably get back before yeah. that before that has to happen. But they are looking at it. Hopefully, all right. Hopefully, listen. all right. A great, a great shame to miss. A great shame to miss the matches. But yeah, I, I know. I was, I was looking forward to watching them on the telly. I'm really looking forward to two great games. Yeah. But it'll happen again, well, and ho- hopefully the season won't fall apart for the lads because of all of this. Donald McClement from Carrigaline, not so much stranded as delayed in getting home from the South Africa. But sure, look, Donald, it's it's high summer, and the sun is hot, and the beer is cold. Enjoy it. Let me tell you, just before you go, the, the uh, Kruger National Park, we saw leopards, lions, uh, rhinoceros, rhino, rhino, elephants, giraffes, you name it. Brilliant. Um, it was just un- unbelievable. Brilliant, brilliant. A safe journey home and enjoy the rest of your stay. That's Donald McClement. 1850-715-996. Just on Jimmy's little, I won't say moral dilemma, but he's wondering what to do. He he lost his father-in-law quite quickly, actually, quite recently, in the last few days, only buried yesterday. He's wondering what to do with his tree and his decorations. He wants to put it up, but of course, there are those who would frown on that sort of thing. Three callers all making the same point. The person who's gone would not want the person who's left behind not living. Life is so short. The one thing my friends never do is send Christmas cards in the year they've lost somebody, says this caller. As regards decorations, whatever makes it easiest for you, go with your instinct. Bear says, as a widow at Christmas time, my late husband said to me, enjoy every moment, be happy, keep doing what I always do. So that's what I did. Life goes on for your family and yourself. It's a personal choice at the end of the day. Megan, good morning. Hi, how's things? How are you getting on? Good, you were listening to Avril Ronan. Yes, I have. <laughs> what is it you want to say to me? So, um, basically, just listening to um, the conversation earlier about kids and technology, um, it was very interesting because I, I do think like technology is important in everyone's day-to-day lives, you know, um, kids' lives included, um, for school, etc., for learning. But I do think there's a side of it that is very sort of, I suppose, I don't want to say, like, brainwashing, but it can be quite intense, I feel. Where, where, Um, Where have you spotted that, or where have you seen that, do you think? So... I think especially amongst the app TikTok, um, I'm personally not on it myself or anything like that, but I know a lot of people on it. And I think that there are actually like a lot of psychological techniques that are used um, in the app and are scientifically used, such as um, in gambling places in um, America, 
they have these techniques that will make you want to gamble and go gamble more. And that scientific technique is actually used in um, a lot of apps that we use today, uh, mainly Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, being the three main ones. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's kind of psychological manipulation. Is that what you're saying? Um, in a way, yeah. Like, it does sound very far-fetched. No, when it doesn't put really. That way, it doesn't um, some people, they hear that and they're going like, oh, Jesus Christ, like, sure, we can we not just leave our kids have a bit of fun? And yeah, like, you know, you can go on the apps, obviously, and like, you know, use it safely. I just think it's the way that it's designed. I just think we should be a bit more careful in um, how we let younger kids at, our, at the devices. Yeah. Um, obviously, I was thinking earlier, we were talking about parental controls and like, that's all well and good, it is, but I just feel like there's a lot of things still that parental controls can't really um, kind of control. Do you get what I mean? I do. So, oh, yeah, I do. Absolutely do, Megan. It's a very good point. Yeah. We really have no idea how invasive the internet mm. is in our lives. I mean, I'm sure you've mm. come across it. I don't know what platforms you use, but you'd be at home mm. and you'd be talking about... Give you a simple, silly example, right? You might say, uh, you know what, I must get a new saucepan because we need a new saucepan mm. for boiling the spuds, right? And before you know it, Facebook mm. is giving you ads for flipping saucepans. Yeah. yeah, that's, and I've actually, yeah, that's a great point. I've heard a lot of people say that to me, and it's happened to me personally, and I'm sure, like, it's happened to you, it's happened to all of us here, and, like, I think that's, obviously, that's weird. It's very, it's it's very strange when you're talking about things and suddenly like things will pop up. Um, I don't think things are listening to us, but I do think that, you know, things on the app like it will pick up algorithms and your most searched words and what you look up the most. Like if you allow cookies to track you and stuff like that, like they will pick up on that. Like well, when it picks up on something you've never even searched on the internet, you know. I mean, I've never searched the internet for saucepans, but I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah, I know. You have I, to, know. I wonder. I wouldn't. Do you, is 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 the lady Alexa in your house? She is, and I'm actually. That's how I've been listening to the show through my Alexa. But Good. I do. I do show. I do show her on. Um, mute her off at the off button. Sorry, at night because yeah. I don't. I actually plug it out. Because I don't really trust that home. Um, yeah, well, I, I wonder. Let, let's see if this will work. Is she is she there with you now? Upstairs. No, I'm actually downstairs. Oh, that's because right, no, I, I had great fun here one morning. I do. You know, here's what I did. Right, Alexa, mm-hmm. volume ten. And people <laughs> rang and say, "Stop!" Or Alexa, volume two. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can cause ructions. You know. You can cause rocks, but no, it's right, and you can turn off her mic these days. Megan, a very good call, and thank you for making it. Thank you very much for having me. Have a good day now. You too. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. They're listening to you. The, the internet is listening, whether you want it to be or not. It's absolutely true. The Santa calls are back with Casey and Ross in the morning. Um, your chance to get a call from Santa at the North Pole. What you need to do is you need to go to 96fm.ie right now, fill out their form there, and they're booking them in as we speak. It's the Casey and Ross Santa calls with McCarthy's Interior and Gift Shop. 
Douglas and Balancholic shopping centres. Call now for festive bedding and decor. See mccarthys.ie and stay listening because we could be calling you. We have a winner on the Foot Solutions. Emmy. Emmy Stratton from Kinsale is our Foot Solutions winner today. How many footsteps were there? There were 16 footsteps. 16, we gave you six. First time out and seven just there a while ago. And in between, we stuck in a three. And Emmy was listening across the morning and she is our winner today of a 200 euro voucher. Give the gift of happiness to your loved ones this Christmas with a Foot Solutions gift card. Free your feet and the rest will follow. 1850 715996. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Santa Baby. For non stop Christmas hits. Non stop Christmas hits. My Christmas present for you. Listen to Cork's 96 Miss. Streaming online now. With Bridgestone and Desi's Tires. For real value, service, and convenience. Open seven days at four locations with late opening too. Desi's Tires.ie. Download our app or see 96FM.ie. Sometimes the more you try to clarify a thing, the more confused it actually gets. Like, I got my my booster, says this call, you have to sit for 15 minutes after getting it. The nurse come around and give out the cards. I heard them calling some names and the people weren't there, so maybe they left without getting it. Maybe if they contact the centre, it might be still there. Uh, yeah, now, you can't ring the City Hall Vaccine Centre, so what do you do? Well, you could call in there, but kind of in the middle of a COVID pandemic? Do you start calling in to a centre looking for a car? Probably the best thing to do is go to hse.ie and anything you need to find out, you can find out there. Or or if your GP gave you your booster, call your GP and they will sort you out for a card. And to remind you again, those um, clinics, today is 11 to 3, tomorrow Friday 2 to 6, and Saturday and Sunday, 9am to 3pm. The boosters at the moment are for healthcare workers and those aged 60 to 69 only. The first and second jabs are being given out to the over 12s. And of course, anybody between 12 and 15 needs to have somebody with them. But there was confusion because initially they weren't giving cards. And then they changed and they decided to give cards. And some people got them and some people didn't. And hence the confusion. And if we can clarify it any further, we will. In terms of getting in there with help, if you need mobility assistance, I got great help at the City Hall. They got me in without queuing. All done very quick. Indeed, it is in most places. A couple of things about acts of kindness and attacks on CUH staff. I'll get to them tomorrow, but uh, Rachel McElroy was uh, a major feature of the programme this morning. You'll remember that yesterday, the man who sexually assaulted her in 2019, he was jailed for eight years with one suspended, which means he was jailed for seven years He's already been in jail since October 2019, so he's got another five years to do. And she spoke to us at some 
length on the programme. In tears listening to your interview with Rachel, good for her, so brave, and the song, yeah, Dermot Kennedy, Better Days. I, I listened to it myself to get through the pandemic. My hat is off to her. Hi, PJ, what a beautiful interview, Mayor. Congratulate you on the empathy you had for Rachel, and well done to Rachel for her bravery. Best of luck to the future for her. Thank you for that, Catherine. Thanks also to the lovely people at Headline. We were honoured yesterday at the Mental Health Media Awards. Uh, we won the award for best short feature uh, to do with our work on the Onakura Centre. And I just wanted to acknowledge that before we finish today because so many people were contacting us to say, well done. And this one is dedicated to the residents and their families. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast or on 96FM.ie.